0: This is Deep Dive, I'm Suyin. A young man stunned China during the first week of May, which is also a national holiday in the country. According to his itinerary, he traveled to eight cities and climbed five mountains in just five days. The distance extended some 6,000 kilometers. He also did not drive himself or travel with a tour agency, but completely relied on public transport. The young man calls himself Nandodo online. I've been to two of the mountains before and want to check the rest three off my list. Then I think, why not climb all five in a row? It's been a tiring journey, so I got my sleep on board and keep moving once I got off. It felt like running a marathon. Why did he decide to travel this way? How did he complete this seemingly difficult trip? For this, I spoke with CGTN reporter Xu Xinchen. This episode is brought to you on Friday, May the 12th. Uh, so first, for our listeners who might not be familiar with the location of the Five Great Mountains, tell us where they are and why it's a, such a big deal to visit all of them in five days. Honestly
1: speaking, I haven't been to all of these mountains yet myself, but I do know the locations for the Five Mountains. So the Five Mountains are scattered across East, Central and Southern China They're the Mount Tai in Shandong along China's East Coast. Mount Hen in central China, with parts actually in my birth province of Shaanxi. Hmm. Mount Shan in Henness, Dongfo, where also the place famous for is Shaolin Temple. Mount Hua in Shaanxi and Mount Hen in southern China's Hunan province. A lot of places, a lot of names, a lot of roads to cover, and it's quite something for the young man, the young backpacker to visit all of them in just five days. You know, what a journey.
0: Mm. So, right, it's not a typical backpack travel route that anyone can copy, but I'm still curious about his itinerary. So tell us his itinerary that makes this um, achievement possible.
1: First, he definitely knows well what he was doing, very knowledgeable in China's geography, a great trip planner. I myself want to be friends with him so he perhaps can help with my upcoming travel plans. Mm -hmm. Yet transportation is playing a very important role here. The young man also shared his itinerary. It took all the possible means for transportation each day in order to achieve his grand travel
0: plan. I've been planning
1: early April, one month before hitting the route. I'll share the first day with you all. Mm-hmm. It took the flight afterward in the evening before the holiday officially kicked off to reach Hunan. The next morning, it took an early train to reach the region over 120 kilometers away where Mount Hun is. It took a taxi to the mountain gate and later returned on a high speed train. While well, it took him one and a half hour for his morning trip, the high speed train shortened his return journey to just half an hour. Mm. Of course, he also took subways, city buses, it chose slower trains for longer distances at evening so he could sleep. Also very, very clever, it was that while he took so many different transportations. The stops and stations always connected.
0: I checked the timetables for trains and realized how developed the transport system has been. Also, my plan in mind could actually work in reality, so I start my trip.
1: That's the charm of traveling here in China. No one can hardly get stranded at any places because we can always
0: find transportation. Amazing. Like you said, this itinerary was made down to minutes. I guess other things like urban ride hailing, travel mobile apps also make this achievement possible apart from high speed rail, extensive expressway network and urban and intercity transportation. The backpacker also says the trip would be any maximal without this strong public transport network. Uh, But I guess the biggest game changer here is the extensive high-speed rail network in China. So exactly how big of a change is this for a backpacker like him? I mean, when it comes to how people travel and how Chinese people enjoy their leisure time.
1: The high-speed rail is definitely one of many charms. Uh, It is more affordable. People don't have to get to wait hours in advance compared to taking a flight. Mm. And for me, very important for longer trips. I don't have to squeeze myself in a tiny little chair. Mm. The train is spacious and I can always take a walk in the carriages. Uh, the total length for China's high speed rail network has surpassed 40,000 kilometers. Just put into perspective, that is longer than the Earth's equator. Mm. The network is a spider web spreading across the country, especially for more remote and mountainous regions like Chongqing and Sichuan Guizhou provinces in southwest China. And a lot of the times, it is not just for leisure, actually. Faster commute for business trips as well. For example, from Chongqing to Chengdu, two largest cities in southwest China, it takes over three hours by car. and That's the more popular way to travel between the cities back then. But now with high-speed rail, these high-speed trains cut that time in half.
0: Yeah, I recently heard that it now only takes seven hours to travel from Beijing to Chongqing in the southwest and my grandfather's home. Well, I remember the whole trip used to take like two days. It's quite amazing in the southwest China. We can see the transport network across China links, I mean, tourism spot and smaller towns, not just big cities. And, and like you mentioned, intercity and urban transport systems are also maturing. So from this aspect, how has the Landscape of domestic tourism in China change because of the uh, maturing transport network.
1: I just think it really depends on what part of China, because China is a vast country, mm. and uh, for different parts of the country, they have a different method or different rhythm of developing its uh, transportation. Means that we're really fit into the local development. For example, I lived in Shanghai for three years, when where high speed rail has integrated in the region so well for a neighboring Jiangsu and Zhejiang provinces, especially for smaller cities and places, high rail is the better option, faster and easier. I also spent a year in Northeast of China, trains have become the most important travel means. Many cities even stopped flights, mm. to be honest. I spent half a year in Hong Kong as well. High speed rail reaches there too. I community back and forth between Shenzhen and Hong Kong via trains. Very fast, very convenient, and it, actually it was quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. My family lived in Chengdu in Southwest China. You know, that's where the story kind of different mm-hmm. because Southwest China is extremely mountainous, yet high speed rail is now expanding in that part of the country and also linking uh, the Tibet Autonomous Region even further uh, west. And uh, many may have also heard of the China-Laos Railway mm-hmm. that is not particularly high-speed yet, but it is an international route where they really can kind of link South China with Laos. And in the future, very possible to offer higher-speed trains. And for, during this year's Liberty Day holiday and in Shandong along the country's east coast, many smaller places become super popular, and that was made possible because of high-speed trains. Mm. I was doing my coverage during this year's uh, holiday, the Labor Day holiday, in one of the busiest stations here in the country, in the mm. Chengdu East Railway Station or Chengdu Dong Railway Station. Actually the station saw the busiest Labor Day holiday since its establishment. Mm. That's almost 12 years ago. And the station was transporting a quarter of a million people every day during mm. the five day holiday. And that was a packed station. And that's just the scene, the popularity, and how people are becoming more accustomed to travel on high-speed rails, and especially during these years and holiday. And my friends told me they have to plan their trips days, weeks, in advance, so that they can actually get a ticket.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to tourism, it's an increasingly in popular way these days among young Chinese people to travel in a pack schedule via public transport, which is called a special forces style tourism, which means traveling around like a special forces trooper. So you mentioned uh, the situation in southwest China, in Chengdu, Chongqing, a Sichuan province, and you said that's a very mountainous region. It's very difficult to build a railway there. So I always try to figure out the mentality of the policymakers who made this decision in the first place. I mean, why did they decide to do this? Why not building more airports?
1: Speaking of like airports, uh, to my knowledge, China's airspace is already very crowded. And well, one high-speed train can take up to over a 1,000 passengers per trip. Hmm. Think about that, how many airplanes that would take? Hmm. So a lot of the policies coming out of this country, China, are really rooted with how to provide better lively has to its large size population not just about the labor day holiday speaking of during the spring festival travel rush with billions of passengers the largest human migration on this planet mm. i won't believe more airports or more bus stops can handle that many people think about that mm-hmm. seven or eight million passengers per day mm. That was a number. China's train stations handled for weeks during the Spring Festival travel rush. Like speaking of like more mountainous west to China, actually it's even harder to build airports mm-hmm. because of the higher altitudes. Because of the the land scarcity, like digging up great tunnels or building up overpasses for trains can be the easier options. And of course, uh, high speed trains can be linked with the uh, like subways or buses more easily hmm. because airports are in more remote areas. We need to find the landing places for the place. It seems like high-speed rail is, for this country, for China with these 1.4 billion people,
0: it, it, a more reasonable travel means. And I'm curious, what does the financial situation in a transport sector look like today? Do some of them make money already? Because it's unrealistic for the whole sector to make money now, I think.
1: Yeah, speaking of high-speed rail, it hmm. definitely needs a lot of money. It actually spends a lot of money for investment into R&D, research and development for the trains. But if we look at investment and returns, we should not simply just look at the you look by the books or the numbers. Development of high-speed trains is very expensive. Building railway links also costs a lot. However, the economic impact is sizable: boosted tourism, better logistics, more ways for regional integrations, more ways for people to travel outside, to learn something from bigger cities and come back, bring the knowledge back to build their hometowns, I think it is a long-term investment already paying off. Most of universities today in China travel with high-speed rails. It is not just about the money, the numbers, it is also about the hope, the possibility, the options, constructions on a high-speed
0: rail can offer to people. Mm. In the future, I mean, in the coming years, what's in mind of the Chinese policymakers to further expand the transport network, or maybe the job is pretty much done here? There's a firm determination for the country to further expand its domestic high-speed rail network. Mm.
1: Dozens of new routes are being built, so to reach more smaller cities and link larger cities. And China's high-speed rail is also now recognized globally. On June 2022, mm-hmm. that is last year, the International Union of Railways published the world's first international standards for high-speed railway construction, formulated based on China's experience. The extensive use of high-speed rails have helped China accumulate enough experience to share with the world, building high-speed rails, and stations in other countries. High-speed rail between China and Thailand actually is expected to enter services this year.
0: And more broadly, China's been known for its high efficiency for building things. So But besides uh, the transport sector, the top policymakers say what they want now is high quality development, a development pattern, which is kind of a different from the past. So what's the position for basic infrastructure construction in this new development phase? Absolutely.
1: if we look back like one decade ago, China was known for how tall skyscrapers the country could build Mm. and how fast the trains could run. No longer, however. I visited many construction sites in the past year. Many are still very grand. Hmm. The largest bridge, the tallest building. But these grand structures are not merely grand. They show how Chinese engineering has been changing the livelihoods of these people. It is no longer a numbers game, I would say, but through technology and through innovation, engineers builders here in China are finding a solution as mankind marches into modernity and green development. For example, the building machine for building skyscrapers is no longer just about how tall skyscrapers can be here in China, but how fast or how safe the work environment for the workers. So the integrated building machines can finish one floor in just four days. That's only half the time it used to take for building skyscrapers but I'll be speaking to the engineer firm behind that building machine. They're not really aiming for to make the building process faster, mm. but it is a safer and more controlled environment. They're using robotic arms, they're using AIs, thinking about building bridges, building skyscrapers, or railway links with 5G network on mm. artificial intelligence. That's just unthinkable to my knowledge. China has also built this Brand new city from scratch called Xiuan, right next to Beijing. And just look at the construction site in that area of the country, it was so tidy and clean. It's not just a dusty and dirty environment doing construction, but it's all covered up. It's a controlled environment, it's very clean, very tidy. And then not just to reduce pollution, but also improves the efficiency and actually. The smarter construction method will also play into better city planning mm. and has better lava for people more comfortable living spaces.
0: So far, China has grown into a strong power in the transportation sector, with mileage of high-speed trains, expressways, and railways ranking first across the world. The country is devoted to further optimizing its comprehensive transport network, and a high priority is to push forward the integration between transportation and tourism. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, and my colleagues Fei Fei and Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to CGTN reporter Xu Xinchen. I will see you in the next one.